I'm saying make your email a primary focus because your ad account would shut out, shut down at any single time. But email is the one channel that you control forever. So if you spend the time building the relationships, you take the time now to lay the fundamentals and the foundation, you'll be able to benefit from your list forever. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers, are you wasting your cash? Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladies and jealous beans, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. Today, we're talking with Brett Kaufman from Wellspring Media, a real expert in and a passionate advocate for, I would say, email marketing. So welcome back to the show, first of all. Thank you for having me. So we're talking today about maximizing the value of an email list. And you've got a very cool framework you work within. Perhaps we get it better get you to reiterate your five parts sort of principles, because I know that you said that applies to everything you do, really, email list building and the emails themselves. Yes. For those of you who were not listening to the first show, so it's called the five-part bullproof framework. It's been responsible for us generating 45 million for our clients in 12 years and applies to all areas of your funnel, but specifically, it works very well at email. And so the first step is position the problem. Now, position the problem, what you need to do is, in their own words, describe the main problem that they have, and we're not going to solve it yet. So what's the main problem that they have in their own words? I'm slowing down to emphasize that because if they don't feel like you can speak their language, then they're not going to move further down. That's number one. Part number two, paint the pain. And what paint the pain means is, again, now that we position the problem. So again, like the last example that we we're talking about, let's use, actually, let's do a different example. Let's do dating, right? Let, we'll use a dating example. Dating one is, I want to find a wife, okay? That's the problem. The pain is that I don't know how to talk to women. I've been scared. I have anxiety. I have all these different things, or I, I've been blown out. I've had my heart broken. I have all these things that have happened to me that make me very scared to do that. That's the pain. Problem in my own words, I want to find a wife. I don't know how. All right, let's girlfriend. We'll go step lower. Girlfriend, I don't know how. Pain, heartbroken. I get rejected a ton. I feel anxiety around that I'm short, that I'm overweight, whatever the things that that person has. Sing the solution. How does it feel to finally have this problem solved on their behalf? Meaning you are, in this case, selling the dating course, the dating program, whatever it is. How does that feel to finally have that accomplished? In their words, it feels amazing now that I feel so comfortable in my skin and I feel like I am very, uh, I know who I am at the core. I know the kind of man I want to be. And now I finally have the partner. So notice, it wasn't now that I have a girlfriend. I finally feel so confident in who I am. I finally feel like I'm the person I want to be. That's the pain underneath the pain. 
So you prescribe the solution underneath the solution. This is the subconscious stuff. Disclose the data. This is now actually using hardcore data to back up what we're saying. So it could be that I'm making things up. So don't quote me. Men under 30 living in Miami where I live struggle with meeting women for X reason. You need to use an actual statistics based on the data to support why what you do is necessary and it overcomes that because our brain is wired for, we need emotional proof. We need logical proof and that's, and, and that, that's the data. And then of course, story proof, which is like the entertainment part. Part number five, offer up opportunities to overcome objections. Now, this part is the most important part. So when we talk about testimonies, most people would be like, this guy took my program. No, he's dating the love of his life. That's good, but not great. What great is, this was Brett. Brett struggled to find, to meet his partner because Brett had uh, a lot of nerves about walking up to strangers. Brett was overweight, Brett was short, and, and Brett didn't feel confident in his skin. So you notice, sh- short, I can't control. Overweight, yeah, you can control and not confident in his skin. Now what do you do is you show a testimony being like, after Brett and I worked through each other, we've worked on the following things. Now his life looks like this, meaning now he's a love his life. So if you notice how we all tied in a previous thread together to overcome the testimony, literally stacking what I just solved for them in the testament. Why is that important? Because if I'm looking for your course, like attracts, if I don't see myself in what you do, if I don't see you help someone directly like me, I'm not going to trust you to solve my problem. It's supposed to be this nuance. It's supposed to be this in the weeds with the data and in the weeds with the words, because that shows and demonstrates that you truly have gotten them. And that's what gets someone to go, you just get me and I trust you. And with so many people in the space offering such similar things as all of us, this allows a person to be like, I'm going with you because I know you truly get me and I know you can truly solve my problem over anyone else in the market. Fantastic. And thank you for reiterating that because I think it's such a great framework for any form of marketing, really. If you're writing advertising copy on a product detail page like on Amazon where you don't get that much control or much space, I would still say these are an amazing set of principles. And I like what you said at the end as well. The nuance matters. I think this is why a lot of people fail with private label products, never mind their their email marketing to sell them. But the, the entire product doesn't work very well because it nearly hits the mark, but it doesn't really hit the mark. And people have really sophisticated way. They may not be able to express it or, or market themselves. But consumers are very sophisticated at sniffing out whether you really get them or nearly get them, right? That's be yeah. my... I'm the same. I mean, if somebody difference. emails me and they're offering me, for example, a guest for the podcast... And they don't really get the needs of my audience, which I'm there to fight on behalf of. I'm like, you know, you just don't get it. And I'd probably just say, this is not relevant. Or if I've got time, I might say to my my assistant, look, Von, go and make them jump through the hoops of filling out this, that, and the other, because I, I need, they need to prove themselves because they've just didn't, they've downgraded themselves in my mind. So there you go. Okay. So let's talk about how do we implement this stuff in, it's assumed now that in this uh, episode we're talking about we've got an email list we've somehow managed to build it which is fantastic i guess we've got to differentiate we've already talked about the warm versus cold email list let's assume we've got people to walk to opt in to something maybe on our own shopify site or something so we've got a warmish list how do we start to actually structure things because there's so much that we could do feels a bit overwhelming so let's simplify it yeah. down for people who haven't done this so similar like we talked about last time an autoresponder is the best friend for you. But now the autoresponder needs to meet them where they're at. Again, I'm going to be repeating the same, well, a lot of the same fundamentals because it's so important. You need to treat someone on, on your warm email list just like a warm introduction where someone's meeting you, like a friend's introducing someone. So as an example, we like to use, okay, 
So the first email we always like to send out is, hey, welcome to who we are. You may not know us that well. So first of all, we, there's a giveaway, some giveaway, some sort of whatever to get you on my list. Here is that reward for opting in. Thank you so much. Then we usually like to say in the upcoming emails, here's what you can expect. Just like a great book, you open the table of contents, right? Chapters one, two, three, four, five. I want to let them know what's coming next. Why? Because I want to get them excited and looking forward to something. So we give them, here's your giveaway. Here's your whatever. Here's what you can up. Here's what to expect in the upcoming few emails. And then we go to the first email. And usually the first email is a little bit about that solving a quick win for them. Even if I'm, again, this not, I'm not talking about necessarily selling something yet, but a quick win for whatever that is. Let's say even if they're buying something on Amazon, here's something you may not have known about the industry, or here's how to scout if this is a good product versus a bad product. Here's how to know that this, that you need this version of this versus the other version of that. Why? Because I'm demonstrating trust and credibility. Then I give my take on it. And then again, in the PS, in the next email, look out for this. So the next email, we usually take the story, right? How we came to be who we are and why you should opt into what we do. So we can share a little bit about ourselves. The next email, Q and A. Here's the most common questions we have about what's going on. Next email, limiting beliefs. Now these aren't necessarily like in exact order, but you can always intertwine, intertwine these. Limiting beliefs are myths about the industry. Here's why you thought by myths is actually right we're doing it, but in fact, it's wrong. I'll give you an example. Referencing the olive oil company that we did where we, we six X their revenue from their emails just by adding these frameworks into them there. I didn't know this until we were working with them and we had to do the research that uh, there's a lot of olive oil that is made with in that says organic. It's not actually organic. So there's a lot of like crap in the industry. So we had to educate them on why these things are bad and why you cannot walk down your grocery store anymore and identify that's good olive oil. Here's what to now look for when buying olive oil. Why was that important? Because then we talked about why buying Next email, great olive oils, best for your health. Next email, why we were created in Greece and why we can help you with these health concerns that you might have. The next email, oh, by the way, here's some discount if you want to buy 50% off in the next 24 hours, buy, my, buy our olive oil here. You see how we built up the trust? We didn't just sell you the email. We sell you olive oil at the beginning. We built up trust, overcame your beliefs, told you who we are, told you how we can directly benefit you. And then here's a special reward for staying with us for this long. Go ahead and buy it's interesting. Now, I, I know that I say interesting, impressive is what I'm saying. The interesting thought for me is this. Most e-commerce sellers that I know that do email marketing do the following. Somebody gets on their list, nothing. Six months later, here's a 30% discount because it's Cyber Monday, or if you're lucky, or even worse, because we're launching a product and I really need you to help. So this is violently different. But my question is, this is obviously a lot of work. Why does this work better? Or how do you justify to the person who's going, yeah, but I could just send one email and I'm done. How do you justify all the extra work that's implied by this? Yeah, look, you can send one email and you're done. We have a client who does half a million a month selling. He actually sells in the Kratom space. And all we did was we injected this framework into it. And now he does three quarters of a million above. And so it's just small tweaks. So yeah, it's a lot of work. But once you understand how to do it, the growth is ridiculous. So that you have to ask yourself as a seller, by willing to put in the work for the ROI? Because most people, when they're selling, they're trying to either get as much people in on the initial ad spend. And the idea is that, yeah, they'll just have their email. You'll have their email on the list, but that's about it. Okay, great. Your email is an app to dot. I'm saying make your email a primary focus because your ad account would shut out, shut down at any single time. But email is the one channel that you control forever. 
So if you spend the time building the relationships, you take the time now to lay the fundamentals and the foundation, you'll be able to benefit from your list forever, not just Cyber Monday or Black Friday, but whenever you want to sell to them. Yeah. And by the way, uh, so you're talking about risk mitigation there, I guess. Your ad account, I, I presume you're talking about your ad account, meaning Facebook account, most of all. That, that happens so often, it's horrendous. And of course, Amazon account suspension and, and listing suspension happen less often, but sadly not as infrequently as we'd want. And again, if you have a Shopify store or any kind of direct consumer store, hell, if you haven't, you can set one up pretty quickly with somebody you can hire a Fiverr, I'd imagine. I'm not saying the greatest in the world, but if you had to, you've got a set of buyers. And it's just an amazing defensive thing that I think people miss. If you think of email as tangential, then you don't take it seriously. If you think of it as an alternative to saving your you know, but if Amazon takes you down, that puts a whole different value on it, right? Have you got any client stores of somebody actually doing that? Uh, which part? Basically having their Facebook ads turned off and being able to keep their business oh, yeah. running. With that exactly happened to, to two of our clients. And one of them happening was for three months, give or take, because they were like slightly different. That was an issue that they had and all they had was their email list to rely on. And they were emailing their, their list every once in a while, but the idea was like, we didn't like all of a sudden go from like one email to 20 emails, the slow drip to build up with emails. Cause again, it's all relationships. They were end up able to make more from their email list than they were from their ad account. And so when their ad account got, got put back into place, yeah, they still put it on. They just saw how profitable their email was because they built the relationships. And there's many ways of doing that. And so when somebody buys from you once, it's the same psychological principle we talked about last time. They are more inclined to buy from you again and again, because they have a great experience from you. So it's not about acquisition on the front, in our opinion. This is our stance. Like Actually, this is the hill we'll die on. It's not about acquisition on the front end. It's about monetization on the lifetime value of the customer on the back end. How long can I keep you a customer on my list? And how much value can I continue to give to you? Because if you're going to buy this one product, you might buy these other products that you, that you might also find interesting. It doesn't cost me anything more, right? Let's say I'm selling on Amazon too. I don't need to put my now new product on Amazon. Just sell it to my list and skip the Amazon fee. So there's many ways of doing that once you have a list and so used to hearing from you and enjoys hearing from you. Yeah, this is the stuff I love about email marketing. In a sense, people think their website is their asset. And I would say in a lot of cases, I'm not suggesting anyone should do this. But apart from having the sales page, the rest of the website probably could be ditched and actually you'd do very well. It's there to capture emails and to fulfill demand. I think people put too much emphasis on beautiful websites that don't do anything, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts about it? Is this just to... Website is a box you need to check. And so it's great credibility, right? Funny enough, we're actually rebranding our website and people will start giving us some crap of like, where's your website? You're spam. And I'm like, I totally get exactly where they're coming from because they now use it as a way of like, it's kind of like how you're dressed. Again, let's go back to the dinner example. If I'm going to the dinner in shorts and t-shirt and everyone else is wearing formal wear, people are going to look at me in a certain way. Or if I'm the guy wearing a really nice suit where everyone's a little bit more casual, I'm standing out in a good way. And so that's the idea. I'm not saying go spend all your money on a website because that's all we're saying, but a website will help with credibility. It'll be another needle mover, but it won't be the biggest needle driver. Yeah, put that. Yes, you got to have it there. But I guess, I suppose what I'm implying, and you put it very well, you've got to have it there. But if you spend all evening worrying about your suit looking crisp and you don't interact with anyone like a human being, They'll probably just think of you as a rather starchy, smart, maybe even desirable if you're talking about dating. 
but there's not going to be a connection. Whereas I guess what you're talking about with email is it's making the human connection. It's actually moving things forward. It's getting people to go from interested to transactions and stuff like that. Okay. Now you've talked about monetization on the back end. And so we're talking, you mentioned data, as you put it, data, data, whatever we call it. Then let's talk a little bit of numbers to to wrap this up a bit for the more numbers-driven entrepreneurs. And many of people in e-commerce are very numbers-driven in my experience. How do the numbers stack up? So if if it costs you a certain amount to get somebody to subscribe, and this is a bit of a how long is a piece of string, but in the e-commerce world, let's say if somebody has a direct-to-consumer site, how long does it take to wipe that out and balance that cost of the cost of acquiring customer, the CAC cost versus the lifetime value, if that's the equation you use? Yeah, so we always give like raw metrics to go off of again, but it's all specific based on exactly what you need. You're looking for on average 10 to 20% open rates. You're looking for about a three to 5% click through. Again, low conservative numbers. So I'm being very like conservative for a reason. Um, that's just getting engagement. Now I'm going to give a little bit of a nugget that we learned the hard way many times a while ago. Do not bold your links because if you bold your link, that will then go to the the, pr- the promotional tab on Gmail, not the primary tab is the main inbox. So there's little subtle things in when you send out emails to people that can get you in, in, in inbox jail. As another example, in the subject line, write like you're writing to a friend. If you're like, hey, 10% off, Gmail is going to categorize that that is a spam email or it will think it's spam even if it may not be. So it's all about the context and what you're saying. Another small nuance. If you're flooding your email with a bunch of gifts and the people have not opened them recently, Gmail's going to think it's spam because email at the beginning of the day was what? An electric mail. What was mail used for? Communication amongst friends or business relationships or lovers. Always treat your email list like those things. So ask yourself, would, would does this feel like I'm speaking to someone, not to everyone? And those nuances will help, even if you have poor click-through rates or poor ER opt-ins, to make sure you're not in, in promotional jail. Because I've had people that come to us and have had these metrics, but a lot of their emails in promotion. And I'm like, yeah, because like you're doing some of these uh, fundamental things not correctly. So let's fix those. I don't care if we see a dip in the numbers, getting more eyeballs on the actual emails, and that will obviously convert more incense. Now, for those who are really into the details, they'll know that the iOS update recently has messed with a lot of metrics like open rates and click-through rates because um, Apple's kind of defending its consumers against you understanding them. I'm not personally convinced that I actually want that, even though I'm an Apple user. And I, if I'm going to be advertised, that I'd rather be advertised relevantly. But anyway, we don't get into all the universe. This needs to be a reality out there. So how are you yeah. handling that situation? Again, I'm all about capturing emails because I know tracking data. That's why like open rates used to be the thing. It's like less important now. What I'm tracking is click-through rates. And what I'm tracking is lifelong engagement in the list. So what does that mean? This is a different data point. So again, for all my number geeks like me, this hurts me a little bit, but then it is what you can track later on. We send, uh, I don't call every four to six emails, what we call check-in emails. We're like, Hey, what did you think of this? Or, Hey, are you interested in this upcoming thing? Or, hey, it's basically short emails that are getting them to respond back. Because what Gmail looks for is engagement. Are they responding back to you? Again, email, electric mail. It's friends talking. When we made it about business and only selling, we got in trouble. Get as much engagement back. And that's why every once in a while, we're always like, hey, are you still interested in this? Hey, do we want to take you off this list? 
just click here. Like the idea is we're trying to get people to respond to us, even if it's opt off our list, because you don't, what Gmail will also notice, if, especially if you're setting, like you have a mass list and when they go to the inboxes, if you're sending it to a ton of people that don't really care about you, that does nothing. It actually hurts your deliverability score. So it's all about getting, I rather have a shorter, a smaller list, higher engagement than a large list with lower engagement. And that's all about scrubbing the list, to make sure that people are responsive. Uh, so I guess what you're doing there is killing two birds with one stone because you're, well, at least three, actually. Number one, you're acting like a human being, asking questions and hoping for a response. Yeah. Number two, you're giving people who are high value prospects a chance to put their hands up and go, hello, <laughs> very unsubtly. That actually send you an email. That's more than a click, isn't it? Because they've got to type at least a few words. Right. And number three, you're increasing the deliverability. That's super smart. That's elegant little tactic there. I like that very much. So what well, are the other you. stats that we should be looking for in terms of the financial stats? Then? So that, that's the marketing stats. How do the financials of it tend to play out? And this is how long is a piece of string? Because I know you work with a broad variety of clients. But again, with the e-commerce situation, I guess let's allow Facebook ads into the equation, if you will. How do the numbers stack up? The numbers stack up, stack up that you, on average, someone should buy from you every four months. And it doesn't matter like what you're selling, right? The idea, though, is that's what we've seen is the average buying cycle from our people. And so in that case, you're buying initially. Let's say you bought and got on my list. I have four months of giving you value. And like, yeah, showing you some other cool things. But the next time I'm going to like, so speak, hard pitch you will be in a quarter, like a little less, obviously four months, slightly more than a quarter. So that use that framework of like once a quarter is probably an easier way to do it. Because again, like you said, how long is a business string? It all varies based on your industry. Once a quarter, you have permission to sell them like hard sell them because they already got a ton of value from you. Hard sell them once a quarter. So that's why we see the lifetime value of someone. We know that if you've been on my list for a year, I you will bought four things from me. My average ticket size. And again, I only I paid one time to acquire you. Now I 4X what you made what, in, in revenue based on what you um, paid for me because you bought four times from me. And so that's the always metrics that we're looking on. What do I need to do? to get you to buy once a quarter. That's like our golden rule every time we're sending out broadcast emails. Wow, gentle. I'm just thinking guiltily. I've probably been hammering most of my email lists for most of my life. Uh, what I need yeah. to do to get you to buy once a quarter. Uh, again, there's a another sort of direct selling uh, cliche that springs to mind, which is that desperation smells. So in other words, a prospect yeah. really smells when you need to sell to them because you've got to hit a metric for a, a yourself or for your sales manager or for your family to eat and run away a bit. Where do you see people making mistakes in this uh, sort of way? Not targeting. I'm sorry, not tagging and targeting because in that, in, if you just listened to that and you were like, okay, but I just got a thousand people to get on my email list. Now I can all, that means every quarter I should expect a bump. No, a thousand people are not joining your email list at the same time. It's all stagnant. So your sales, you're able to project out your sales because your quarter is different than my quarter. And that's why tagging is so important because I know, all right, Brett's coming up to his three-month mark. Let's offer him a specific promotion. But when we just see the mistake of buy now, 50% off, buy now, 75% off. If I'm going to get an email from that once from you, I know I'm going to get it again and again. But if I'm getting it specific around quarters, well, guess what? You get to flirt with holidays easier because it ties in. You get, to, you get the actual ability to then use real scarcity because you might only generally have something in stock because your list now knows that they're not always getting the same broadcast emails at the same time because people will know that, hey, my time is up for sale versus someone else. So your tags are based on when they bought, based on their interest. 
So I always like to send out like either whether it's survey, what are you interested in? Or I like to send out, here's some upcoming products, reply back if you'd like to hear more about it. My tags are my lifeline. If you're not, if I don't have the tata 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 on you, I'm sending you generic emails. If I'm sending you generic emails, eventually you'll be like, this is a friend toward to me. This is written to everyone. Wow. Yes. That, that's really good stuff. So we're talking about segmentation, but I guess you're talking about self-segmentation in a way, in some ways, but yes. I, I don't know. What, tell me a bit more about this because this sounds really important. So what people bought, I guess you could tag people pretty straightforwardly through most systems, like mm-hmm. Shopify, especially based on what they bought. Um, not if you sell on Amazon, I guess that's going to be harder. Interests. And you said you sent people to survey. Tell me how that I'll works. send them a survey and be like, hey, I'm just thinking one example we have. So let's go back to olive oil. He, they sell more than just olive oil. Shocking. So they sell like cooking books and they sell like, just different things that they offer. They also have like a ro- rewards and royalty program and like affiliate things. So it's, hey, are, do you know a bunch of other people that that would be interested? Click here, you can become an affiliate, right? So that's another segmentation. Hey, do you want to learn how to cook authentic Greek, because it's what's from Greek dishes? Okay, click here. You can then get into our recipe club. So there's a bunch of different little nuances based on the other products that I have to offer. That's my survey. It's not like, how was your experience? He goes, I'm segmenting them based on their interests for what I have to offer them to get them to buy later so on, you, not buy tomorrow. So you're based, you're basically offering them a series of options, which is buying or prelude to buying or, or something, yep. I guess being an affiliate, so a bit a slightly different relationship, but you're not just saying, how did you find our service kind of thing? Like those lame text things you get after you've bought from couriers or something saying, how did you find right. the fact that we failed to deliver your, your stuff? <laughs> so I was fine exactly. really lame. So that's good. I like it a lot. Look, you've always got just uh, tons to offer people. Um, if people want to hear more from you, just remind us what things you do for people you, you work with, your clients. Yeah. So there's two ways we work with people. Number one, if you're looking for consultancy, we're happy to come in and consult on how to actually build out your automated sequence. That is more for someone that already has a team member that they already do, or you yourself want to understand email marketing and become an expert, like meaning you want your fingers on the keys, we'll come in and consult with you and we'll show you how to build out that auto sequence and we'll show you how to track your data. If you're like, Brett, I'm really busy. I got other things I got to focus on. We have a done for you service that will actually come in and we'll do everything on your behalf. Now, everything with our done for you service comes with a money back guarantee, which means if you don't make your initial investment in us, by the end of our time working together, you get all your money back, no questions asked. Now, the done for you service, I need to be very specific on this, requires you. Why is that? Because words matter. If they're reading the emails and does not feel like it's directly coming from you and your business and your brand, they're not going to buy, which means we require your involvement in this process. Every week when we meet with you, we will show you exactly what we wrote and we'll give you every opportunity to tear it apart. Because if it does not sound like you guys, it doesn't have the same framework, the same language, the same pop culture references that your company would use, it will not convert to the highest degree. So we ask you to tear it apart because that's how we'll know that it will convert. It needs to sound like you, and then we need to test everything for A-B conversions. Those two together allowed us to generate that 45 million like I talked about earlier. The third bucket. If you just want to learn more, you're not ready to like opt in, you guys want to check us out a little bit more. We have a training called Post for Profits. Now, this applies exactly to social media posts or how to write emails. And it walks through that five-part foolproof framework. The two-day training, but it's not really two days in your case because you're watching the replays of it, but it'll walk you through everything. And that is on our email list. 
That'll be at wellstreetmedia.com backslash emails. And I will drop the link in the show notes because like I told Mike Holm the last uh, one, it's still being developed, but it'll be finished. Meaning the website, we had an issue that'll be put up in the next hopefully two days. By the time this podcast will be released, it'll definitely be up. And then you can get that training automatically sent to you. And you get to see how we can, so to speak, sell you an email as proof of the concept. Absolutely. Yeah. The lovely thing about email marketing um, trainers is that you can just follow You just subscribe to their list and see what they do. I'm not saying yeah. that's all you should do, but the very, very least you should do is that, right? So it's a super smart way to learn um, your seven email framework and you watch out for the pitch in email seven and see if it matches and uh, click on a few links to see what other emails you get. It's always good fun. So Brett, this has been really fantastic. I really like the psychological sophistication that you bring to this, the problem behind the problem, the solution behind the solution. That's proper marketing thinking, in my opinion, a lot of people skip that stuff. So this is good, deep, deep work. And it's obviously showing up really well in the results for your clients in, in dollars and cents, as they say. Final question for you is what questions should I have asked you that I haven't asked you? How much patience should you have with your email list? I think that'd be the biggest question. We treat emails like dating, in the sense that, or being married either, or I'm not married, so I cannot speak on that front. But in regards to dating, you need that patience. There will be times to be very frustrated with your list. There'll be times where you're trying to, uh, you wish your list was responding a certain way. Everything's about clear and consensual communication, just like in any good relationship. You need to treat your list like you're dating the person, like you're talking to your friend. If they don't feel like it's a one-on-one conversation, it will not convert to the highest degree. That is the biggest piece of advice we can always give people because people love to be sold a misnomer that people think they don't. People want to be sold. Sell them in the way they want to be sold. The best example of doing this, think of your favorite movie. How would you describe your favorite movie to a friend? You're not selling them to go watch it. You're describing how amazing it is and they're going to be like, oh my God, I want to go watch it. Same thing with your emails. Don't sell me. Describe it to me. Make me excited by it. And then obviously I'm going to go buy it. I like that very much. I was, I was weirdly enough, my, this is pop culture references. My family and I were watching uh, Family Guy last night and there's a spoof version of uh, Star Wars. And I said, that's actually really close to the original. I looked across at my wife and said, so of course you've seen Star Wars. She said, no. I said, oh, you've got to see it. And then bored her for three or four minutes about it. I was sure I did a very good job in selling to be fair, but I tell the story of how I went queued up to see it when I was six and we couldn't get in because the queue was so long and that dates me. Um, yeah. So there you go. I, I, it's very organic. It's exactly the thing, the very same conversation I had last night. So you have definitely Brett, entered the conversation in my mind or the way that I've been speaking. So you're a skilled marketer, I can tell from the very experience I'm having right now. So Brett Kaufman, Wellspring Media folks, if you want to check that out, very worth um, checking out everything this man has to offer. I think there's a sophisticated work going on here. Brett, final thing to say is just simply thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.